0: Assalamu salamu and welcome to the Muslim Vibe podcast. My name is Afra Mansour and I'm the deputy editor of the Muslim Vibe. Today I am joined by Saleem Qasim, the chief editor and award-winning comedian Imran Yusuf. This podcast will be discussing the question of identity and our place in the world. If I can kind of steal your own words, being a stand-up comedian, people really want to know about your backgrounds, your ethnic, your genetic physiology, blah blah blah. But um, no one actually cares about the virtue of you being a human being. They want to know your background. So, what is your background?
1: What is my background? I guess I am East African, Indian, British, Muslim. That My great-grandparents left India, I believe with the British, to go and work in East Africa. Um, And then that's where they settled down, where my grandparents, I guess, grew up and where my parents were both born and where me and my brothers were born. Um, and so, well, my parents got kicked out of Uganda in 1972 with my brothers then I, then they came and built a life in London I, my mum became pregnant with me in 1979 and then she went to Mombasa to give birth to me there so she could be around, you know, or it's like in our culture it needs to be yeah. this whole communal thing going on so she'd be around all of her sisters and sister-in-laws um, and then I was, uh, I was born in Mombasa and uh, then I was brought back to London and I wasn't actually officially documented as a British citizen until I was 12 years old. That's when I was naturalised. But I grew up in it. You know, I'm English, mate. And I'm as English as fish and chips, which isn't even English. <laughs> Jewish people bought that over, like, I think uh, a couple of centuries ago. Um, to to Britain and it and became an English own. thing. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and it was... y- you mentioned getting kicked out of Uganda. Now I know the history because my family's both been also been through it. But mm. do you want to just talk a bit about what happened back then? Do you know the history? what
1: we... well, I've seen the film Last King of Scotland because that's about the limit of my education of what happened. <laughs> Even though I'm aware <laughs> of what happened to to them, mm-hmm. um, it, that 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 I guess it just shows he just got to a point where he's like, ah, oh, all the Asians they're 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 ruining the economy and they're taking all the jobs. Yeah, and so he chucks them all out. They all get ninety days to leave, and then the country goes to hell and we go to Britain um, and then hes and then when Uganda's all like you know it's not flourishing because nobody can do the jobs that you know uh, 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 that that were being held by the Asians uh, it was like hey do you guys want to come back we're like, nope we're making white people money now
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is real money <laughs> white people money so basically you're not a fan of Forrest Whitaker I take it For, no I don't know
1: I love Forrest <laughs> Whitaker was so amazing in that film yeah, yeah he was so like I was terrible like, I remember I thought he was going to crawl out the screen like that like, girl out the ring and get me <laughs> he was so terrifying in that film I was really impressed by him but um, that just goes to show that you know uh, bigotry and this like kind of national populism can happen to any one of us it's not exclusive to any one ethnic or religious group. It just happens to human beings who have no self-mastery over their own emotions or their own purpose in life. And it's like, oh, other people are the problem. And then you get, you know, the whole
2: country whipped up into a rage and then all just, it's only chaos. But isn't it also scary that you think that that happened in the 70s? And I mean, you know, it was almost like a form of genocide. It wasn't a genocide, but he he. It's an expulsion. An expulsion of, yeah. of an entire race, mm. and then you've got today, unfortunately, someone like Donald Trump at the helm in America, mm. saying pretty much the same thing with building a wall and not mm. letting Mexico in. Mm. Do you think that we just don't learn from history? Um, human, I, I guess we
1: we see examples of that that we don't learn from history, and uh, and I guess you know everybody's really upset now that the president of the United States is Dajal Trump. And so uh, I need more people would like that, one. right? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love that one. You can use that one. Dajjal Trump. That's Dijal his name. Trump. I mean, his family is just the personification of cancer of humanity. They really, it's just like, here, it's money and having more and having things and money. Uh, but you know what? It's a good thing that he is in the position that he's in. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to look for the seed of opportunity in even the darkest hour. And this is where, you know, there is so much wisdom in everybody's faith. In all religions around the world, you've got to see what's happened here. By him becoming the president-elect, because, you know, we've got to be very present tense here, him becoming president-elect, we all now know that the Death Star is operational. And so you know what comes next. This is the point where I believe, where my faith is, and also what my intuition uh, what tells me, or if you want to call it my naivety this is the point where people go you know what we need to stand up for each other because you know what he doesn't he's not just coming for the muslims he's coming for the mexicans he's coming for everybody who's not white he's going for the black people he's going for homosexuals he's going for uh, women and his you know just how deeply misogynistic he is as well He's coming for all those groups. And previously, those groups, we've had our own issues with each other. You know, Muslims have had issues with gays. Gays have had issues with Muslims. You know, uh, white people have had issues with black people. And now suddenly, all of us are going, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to form a rebel alliance now and stand up for each other. Because if, they, if he comes for all of us and we all stand up for each other, then he's not going to have a chance. So that's the way that I've chosen to look at it, is that our fractured communities now have a common enemy, uh, which he has um, very generously... <laughs> put himself up for. So if you like it, he's um, he's uh, he's put himself up to be lynched by the mob. So <laughs> really, into the, the table, the tables really. When you think about it, you got look at the story of David and Goliath from you know the Bible. It's a beautiful story if you really understand what it's about. And it's not just about here's a man who had God on his side and here's a giant. It's about that when you look at it, the Goliath, the thing with all the power and all the influence, if you look very carefully, has an enormous weakness. And if the weaker man can spot what that weakness is. It's game over. I would highly recommend you read a book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. And he retells the story from the Bible of David and Goliath and says how our modern interpretations are completely incorrect. Because we think it's about he had God on his side and then hit him in the face with a stone and died. It's not that. It's that he um, David always had the advantage because he was, um, uh, I guess, he was, it was not a slingshot. It was um, back in those days. Uh, that it, what do you call that thing where you swing the rocks inside a little pouch and then you fling them a catapultist, yeah, something like that. So we'll call it
2: slingshot.
1: Yeah, okay. So uh, slingshot is the denser, the yeah, thing, but, like, do you uh, mean. Okay, we'll call we'll, it a slingshot. Uh, but I want uh, to look just for the record. I invented the word catapultist, and if you want to use that, you owe me um, royalties. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what David was. Is that he was this? Uh, he, he was the slingshot expert, and uh, Goliath was this giant. Sorry, he was a catapultist. He was a catapultist. Yes, <laughs> was a catapultist, and uh, Goliath was this giant man with all this armor and a massive sword. And so, when they met in this valley, you have this giant who's undefeatable, right? And then you've got David, who's this small shepherd, um, who's got his uh, catapult and all his rocks. But we don't know. What you've got to realize, David has all the advantage here because he doesn't need to run up to Goliath. He took him out from like hundreds of yards away. Hundred, because when that stone hit him in the head, it dazed him that he fell over. But when he fell over, all this armor weighed him down. And it wasn't, he was not going to get up any um, anytime soon because he's dazed. And then David went over there, took his sword. Locked his head off, game over. And so, when you look at it, the, the, there's a wisdom to that story, and it's not about, um, it's not just about the the the, the metaphor of, of of him being a godly person and therefore he won. It's because he had the advantage the whole time because he understood the terrain and he understood exactly what his opponent had. He understood exactly what he had. And so, this is the you know the Luke Skywalker moment where we put those proton torpedoes. I think that's what they're called, or is that Star Trek? Is it photon torpedoes or proton torpedoes? We're just going to smile and
0: nod on this one. Okay, right.
1: This is the the Death Star moment, guys, where we blow up the Death Star. This is it. As long as we all stand up for each other. So you've got to stand up for people who are not from your community, right? You've got to remember there's plenty of Jewish people out there who stand up for Palestinians, who stand up against Islamophobia, and we must acknowledge that. And at the same time, we must acknowledge the pain that the Jewish community have experienced um, through the the prejudices that they've had to face over so many um, centuries as well. And this is one thing that I've learned through my own introspection and, and, and my own interpretation of what my faith is, is one of the things that all human beings must do is acknowledge the pain of others. No one will acknowledge your pain until you acknowledge the pain of others because they do feel it. And when you do that, they will acknowledge your pain. And then you've got common ground to work towards alleviating that pain and making sure it never happens again. And Donald Trump is giving us that opportunity. So let's take him out, guys.
0: All right, so talking about standing up for the little man, etc., uh, recently you were called a British muffin, I believe, and I think that, that was just hilarious. Um, being a British muffin, what are your thoughts on uh, Brexit? And I mean, especially with the mayor of London being, you know, dubbed the, the son of a Pakistani bus driver. No one actually gives merit to him as a person. So sure. um, Brexit. Oh,
1: first of all, I have corrected correct you, it was English muffin. And that oh. was um, when I went to school in America illegally in 1992... Uh, which is much more safer times. Um, I was the only English kid in my in my in my in my town in Moorestown, New Jersey. And uh, when I run around school with this accent, uh, I used to get teased. I cheerio, pip pip! It's time for tea, you English muffin. They used to say that, and and I'd be like, I've never experienced this form of prejudice ever. Like this is really weird. But I was, I was the English bloke in that town, that's who I was, and I wore it with pride, you know, it's something I had to really, really uh, deal with during that time. Were you also the Indian bloke in the town? No, 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 there was loads of Indians. There was loads of Indians. loads, it was was, was quite, it was quite multicultural, but it was uh, very suburban and not like, uh, not like London. Yeah. So, so, uh, slightly different, very, uh, yeah, so it was, it was quite multicultural, and, um, and, um, so yeah, there's that, so that Brexit now, so, yeah, um, Brexit, right, so we collect, I think the majority of the country voted to leave the European Union uh, based on ideals steeped in fear, to be honest, you know, that was a vote out of fear and you can. And the moment the the result came out, right, we're leaving the European Union hate speech, hate crime towards people yeah, who aren't, yeah. you know, if you like, indigenous well, I don't know what indigenous means, you're just on the planet, right, just shut up and <laughs> stop thinking any part of it specifically belongs to you um, yeah, you know, careful not to swear there and so you know the Polish people getting beaten up uh, brown people black people just getting all this kind of uh, uh, nonsense and we've got to see really people don't vote on principles that, that they, they vote out of fear or yeah, hope yeah. Um, and there's a lot of fear in our country and that's because we have a critical mass of 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 you know disaffected angry people um who are massively out of touch with with actual reality and where the world is going you know this is England's change of course it has you know uh, the, the British empire uh raped their way through the world right and at the same time our ancestors uh contributing helping making the British empire what it is for all the but, you know Britain's an amazing country it is incredible but let's be realistic of how it got here yeah. right and the fact is we all have a share in this now this isn't a white person's country, right? This doesn't belong to any ethnic group or religious group. All this nonsense about Britain is a Christian country. Jesus came from the Middle East. He looked more like me than <laughs> Nigel Farage, okay? Get that through your head. It's a religion that's been culturally appropriated by a white power structure so that they can feel that they're spiritually superior to everybody else. No, it's, it's entirely a religion that they've appropriated for themselves. Um, you know, but saying that at the same time, there are loads of Christians from all back, all the Christian people I know that I hang out with are amazing because they live their Christianity it's not an affiliation for them right they live it they're out there feeding the homeless you know doing lots of stuff for charity that they never shout about they just keep it quiet but I know because I'm friends with them so you know this country you can't run around going Britain is a Christian country and it's a white person's country it's not it belongs it belongs to all all of us and we've all got to have our equal share in it so this brexit thing has been it's a shame that you know the the vote has been to leave, but now it looks like it's being blocked. So, um, which is quite funny. So I don't understand where it's going, but obviously there is a contingent in our society that feels very disaffected and angry and efforts need to be made to build bridges with these communities. But there are some people, and I hate saying this, there are some people through volition of their own efforts, put themselves beyond redemption. And it's up, you know, like there's a cutoff point. Do you know what I mean? There was a point where, you could have probably convinced Adolf Hitler. Come on, man, just allow it, right? You're taking it too far. You got Jewish friends. Don't lie about it, right? Okay, let's just just let's just chill out. But then he got to the point of no return, and, and and at that point, the only recourse was to take action and fight him.
2: Okay, but then what happens in the situation where there's too many people at the cutoff point, when there's you know forty. 40- 49, 50% of the people, for example, are getting there. Let's say that everyone, who, I know this isn't the case, but if everyone who voted Brexit mm. is at the cutoff point, or let's say a, a large majority, as mm. that grows, what happens then? Well, Do we, we have to up and leave? No. Well,
1: we're Hopefully, that when we're not going to see those days, because I think we've come too far as a civilization. thankfully because of social media, thankfully because of our experiences with communities that are integrated and mixed marriages and things like that. But see, the mistake I made was to label everyone who voted Brexit a racist and who did it for racist reasons. This is not true. I have comedian friends of mine um, who voted Brexit, um, who, vo- who voted to leave and do not have a racist bone in their body. Have have none of that ill will. But unfortunately, the majority of people on that Brexit boat were. <laughs> All right. So, um There are issues to do with, I guess, sovereignty and the kind of uh, control we have over over our own resources and borders that need to be addressed. But at the same time, we also must address that that leave vote attracted a lot of disaffected, angry, uneducated, hateful people. And they need to be communicated with and they need to be enrolled into the greater vision of what Britain can be. But there are some people who don't, who don't want it. I guess there are some people who will never in their lives let go of their own wretched wretchedness. Um, and, um, you know, all I know is that the work that I get to do as a stand-up comedian, as a public speaker, as a representative of my community, is that I go out there and I want to build bridges, acknowledge people's pain, right? You've got to, you know, there, there are, I think we often forget before, before immigrants came here, before brown and black people came here, Rich white people were screwing over poor white people for ages, and that's what the class system was about, right? For a long time. Now, if you were working class, if you were poor, like a hundred years ago, that's it. That's all you ever had, and that's all you will ever be. But now, if you're working class and you live in Britain, you ha- do have the opportunity to break out of that and and to be a millionaire, to be a success, and to find your place. Um, you know, as a successful person in society, you have that. But we must remember, you know, thus those of us who have come from immigrant communities don't label all white people as, you know, this homogenous group of enemies. Just remember that there there have been poor white people here for a long time that have have not had their pain acknowledged, who have been exploited, and they also need help. They also need uplifting. Mm. Their pain must be acknowledged.
0: So how are you doing this with, um, you know, your line of work and comedy and things like that? Dinosaur impressions. With... Oh, that works, too. <laughs> and, um, tell us about I've Halal. i impressions, <laughs> <are> very,
2: very <laughs> sorry, good. Sorry, sorry. That's great,
0: all right. Um, I want to talk a bit about Halal. Like, if I, when I was uh, Googling Halal, it, it was actually the name of a city in Western India, so I don't know if,
1: <laughs> if you knew up. <laughs> no, what happened with Halal? So, um, I'm, um, I am I, I roll with like a professional Muslims network. And um, they saw what I was doing. They're like, we like what you do. And I go, look, let me put on a Muslim comedy show, right? I know just enough Muslim comedians who are on the mainstream circuit, Mm -hmm. not on the the, the brown circuit or the black circuit, but on the mainstream circuit where the art is being cut to its highest. And I'm going to put on a Muslim comedy show put bums on seats, call the papers, do it and we'll hold it at the comedy store, the home of stand-up comedy, yeah. right, one of the best clubs in the world, my favourite club in the world and they were like, okay, cool, let's do it and we put on the show massive success um, but what happened, they were like, we've got to think of a name for the show um, and I was like, so I put down like a number of, um, of ideas, my favourite was Caliphs of Comedy like, that, that was that was my favorite and then as a joke i put halol because it's too obvious like to me that one was way too obvious so w- when you're generating ideas you've got to put silly names down things that will never work just so that you can go through it and they were like oh my god halol that's genius i was like no that's just there as just to fill out the fact to show that i've been doing work don't choose that one it's the worst one and they're like no it's great now everyone's been correct, no dude that's genius like halol is just the best name yeah. and i'm like yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking the whole time, you know, <laughs> I know, I know how genius I am. So, Halal, the first show was a massive success. Uh, the, the difference between Halal comedy shows and any other Muslim comedy show that exists anywhere in the world is that uh, you can talk about anything you want. You can, we can swear, we can talk about sex. We can talk about any issue that we want. The only caveat that I um, um, that I have on it is to, that all the comics and you know the whole point of the show is to provide a more humanising narrative of Islam and Muslims, yeah. right? Yeah, there are loads of bad guys uh, in, in our community across the world doing all kinds of horrific stuff, but then there's loads of us who are doing amazing things and right. have been for a long time. So also on the show, we have people who aren't Muslims. You know, we've had Saul Bernstein, uh, who's a Jewish comedian. I've had Pete Johansson, who's very successful. Um, he's got a great routine about how ridiculous it is to believe um, all Muslims are suicide bombers. And I remember he did that routine at Halal, and he was just mobbed by all these Muslims. Go, we love you, Pete Johansson, you're incredible. <laughs> And so I've had, you know, had, um, we're introducing more and more people um, onto the halal roster. And now we are organising halal to, We want to go on like a small UK tour, build it into an international tour. Because it's important for us as Muslims who live in the West, who've grown up in the West and who are innately British or English or Welsh or Scottish as any of the white people who've been here for, 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 for longer than us. To go, this is who we are in society, and we're part of this society. And you know, what I mean, we, we 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 all. I want to make sure that we're all winning. This yeah. isn't about building war and Going, look, this is where we are, and we have our place in your country, and you guys are over there, and we can't mix. I'm not. I, I I just don't like that. So yeah, it's to it's to build bridges, and we go out there, and we and our audience is very mixed as well. And at the end of the night, you can just feel people coming up to us, shaking our hands, saying thank you for saying what you're saying because we need to say these things yeah. You know?
2: and and who's you know who are those people who is your target audience and also what's the where do you see halal in, in the next few years
1: um halal uh, an international tour that will yeah. go around the world in big big venues um it, in the same way i guess you know Allah made me funny did um and you know Maz uh, crew uh, Axis access of evil those kind of things we want halal to go around the world um, because people need to see you know someone's Need to see Muslims saying the stuff in an authentic way um, at the highest level of stand-up comedy, and that's why the mainstream circuit's important. And so Halal, well, not only are we going to go on to to do you know a national and international tour, we're also going to be providing comedy courses because we really want to attract. Uh, young or whatever, just more Muslims to take up stand up. So if you're a Muslim, even if you're not a Muslim, the halal stand up comedy course is still for you because it's about attracting um, people from, I guess, minority communities. Mm. So you know, we start, we still don't have a, a British Chinese comedian, and we still don't have a British Polish comedian. We need those guys, right? So we want to provide a comedy course for them that will be taught by my friend Jay Sodagar, uh, who's a very good comedy teacher. And we're going to provide a space where they can come and they can learn to do this course. Then they need to get on the circuit and hone their craft for a long time before they're ready to really leap out there. Um, because we, we want these voices that aren't heard to have voices. Especially, So even though it's halal, it's this Muslim initiative, and we would love more Muslims to to become stand-up comedians, it's open up to anyone. So if you're British-Chinese, British-Polish, or any other group we've not heard, or, hey, Gypsy, whatever, if you want to come and do stand-up, we'd love to help you. Um, and specifically, Muslim women. Like, we need more Muslim women. Because at the moment, it's just like Shazia Mirza that we have in this country, who's done at the time. Like, she, she she was before me. Like, so she'd been doing stand-up way before I started. And she went out there, and she broke down those walls. She did an incredible job. But she's still the only one who put the time in. Mm. that's what she did like I can never no one can ever take that away from her I know there's this you know some people like her some people don't because there's a woman on stage and she's talking and she's challenging (laughs) men right Um, but she put the time in. absolutely put the time it's quite funny when she did the first halal show there was a guy in the front row and he was quite conservative had a beard and I think his wife was with him Um, and when she came on you know Shazia knows how to dominate a room she doesn't take any nonsense from anybody and she looked at him and she started talking to him and you could just see in his face he couldn't cope with it it was so fun. like he would look up at her and he'd just be like oh my god this is this is insane there's a woman and she's talking to me and she's in control and then she would crack a joke like a naughty joke and then he would he would look away like in shame but then look up and he'd smile a bit right and <laughs> look away again And um, what was beautiful about that is that I hope that, you know, if there's any kind of um, limits on what he thinks, maybe how what a woman can be was changed Mm -hmm. that night because he saw it because she didn't threaten him. She didn't upset him. She just went, I'm an empowered woman. I'm on stage. I can say what I want. (laughs) And it was just it was cute to just to see how he could cope with it. So cute.
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us um, we're going to add a bit more information about the course that uh, we were describing right now um, in the description thank you so much for joining us it was a pleasure thank
1: you it was my pleasure as well and all the best uh, please continue listening to the Muslim vibe so
2: yeah that was our conversation earlier with uh, Imran Yusuf, and I think he surprisingly packed a lot of wisdom knowledge I don't know what it was in, in the space of about 20, 20 minutes it was, uh, it was a lot to absorb
0: yeah, it really was a lot to take in, and uh, I'm actually quite excited at the idea of possibly having him again. So um, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to your thoughts and feedback, and hopefully some suggestions for our next topics. You can do so by emailing us on editor at muslimvibe.com. Don't forget to connect on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and of course, subscribing to our podcast. Until next time, salam alaykum.